Just can't preach, right, Chris? Whew. You were right about Brent, right? Gifted. It is so good to be able to be here today uh, to share in the table of the Lord with you and to have this time together. Uh, what a blessing. This church is known uh, widening circles as a mission-minded church, and we love at Missions Resource Network to send folks to you uh, to find out what it means to be a mission-minded church. And we're just so thankful to be able to be here today to just pause for a few moments and think about what is this all about. We're just going just gonna to stop. Um, I have already seen mission activity going on in this room. <laughs> Um, people coming alongside others in this room, uh, just encouraging, and that's a wonderful thing. I wish we had time to tell it all, but we don't, so we're just going to have to forge ahead, right? Somebody told me that there's going to be somebody waving a red flag when it's time to quit. You didn't tell me how long I had. Where's Colette? Where's she at? Oh, she didn't even come, right? Because she knew I wasn't going to stop. Oh, well. The Great Commission, pardon? I've never known anything about that. Oh, you didn't know about that, okay. The Great Commission is too big for anyone to accomplish alone, and it is far too important for anyone for us not to try to do together. We must work together in this great work of the mission of God. When you think about what it's all about, coming together to talk about what we're doing, to leave this place, to be in the mission of God, I hope that by the time we're finished this morning, you'll, you'll have a renewed inspiration to be God's people right where you are. Because it's, it's too big of a job. And I want to start just with a story. Our, our good friends John and Rhonda Chartier uh, were on their trip of a lifetime, 25th anniversary, isn't that right? They were in the Bahamas. Uh, just down the beach from the big Atlantis hotel there. And they had been warned about the waves that day, but they thought, this is our only chance to play in the waves in Nassau. So they, he was out there. Rhonda was on the beach um, reading a book. He was out there playing in the waves with his friend Ron. And he, he didn't realize how dangerous the waves were. He was standing with his back to the waves. And one of, the, one of the waves hit him just right or wrongly from behind and snapped him so that his neck broke. He discovered he was face down in the water, paralyzed from the neck down. Now, if that happens to you, what are your choices? You have no choices. Death is certain. And it had, not, had it not been for his friend Ron that was close by, who saw the predicament, very quickly ass assessed the situation, Ron said to some others that were even up on the beach, said, we've got, we've got to get him on, on the shore. And so they pulled, pulled John ashore, flipped him over, and were able to get him breathing again very quickly. But they knew we can't move him. Because who knows what will go wrong? We'll come back to this story in a bit. It does have a happy ending, by the way. We're not just going to leave John in the water face down, paralyzed from the neck down. But all around you 
I want to challenge you to think about this. All around you are living people that are paralyzed by life from the neck down. And they are face down in the water. And they need you to be Ron to them. They need you to haul them out, flip them over, give them life again, give them that opportunity to breathe again. That's what this is about. You see, in the mission of God, in thinking about this grand mission of God, and at Missions Resource Network, we're, we're all about helping missionaries uh, through the missionary care that we do, but we want you to know that missionary care is the task of the sending church. It's not about some director of missionary care at Missions Resource Network to do missionary care. We're just here as your cheerleaders to help you, encourage you, as you do the best possible job of missionary care, to be the best possible senders God has ever seen as you work in this work of God. Because you see, we are all missionaries, no matter where you live. We are all missionaries. I'd sort of like to have you say that to one another. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a missionary. Just, just do that right now. Let's get that clear. That means all of us are missionaries. You get the picture? We are all missionaries, and we are all sent, and we are all counter-cultural kingdom agents. Now, what does that mean? We cannot act like the world. We tend to, as it were, blend in with the world so the world can't really tell the difference with that we're Christians, right? No, but we are in the kingdom of God, and we have been called as a chosen people. This verse is very clear. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that belongs. If you have ever felt in your life that you don't belong, you do belong if you're in the kingdom of God. Amen, church? And this is for a very specific purpose, spelled out by Peter himself, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Something's happened to you because you have been flipped over, you have been paralyzed face down in the water, and someone else has come along and flipped you over, got you ashore, got you breathing again into that marvelous light. So you've got a declaration to make. You may, not have, you may not have been there before that you woke up in a hospital and didn't know how you got there. That's happened to me. Long story, I'm not even going to tell it. But I believe deep down that everybody should sort of have that experience sometime, at some time in their life to say, I am here for a reason. I am alive for a reason. And that reason is declaration. Our purpose is to live out loud. And there may be somebody here that says, oh, that's my, not my gift. But I hate to tell you, Scripture says we're all gifted. A spiritual gift has been given to each of us. Nobody's left out. So if I was to say, how many of us are gifted? Okay, that's all of us, right? No one's left out in this picture. We have all received this wonderful gift. When it comes to doing the work of God and the mission of God, sometimes we get a little confused. We think about the practices. We think about where we're headed. We think about the, making the action plan and do the, doing the plan of action. We get the strategy down first. We get it all backwards. We get it all upside down because what we've got to start with is the foundation. The very foundation is who is God. And what is God doing in, his, in this world so we can take our cues from the God of mission, to be about his mission in the world. Do you see the difference that that makes? 
We can't be about practices and strategies and action plans and priorities and goals until we find out and talk about who God is. So that's where we've got to start today. And we're going to take our cue from Scripture. First of all, you can write this down, the Lord is king. He is sovereign. He is the one who is king. Now, you go to 1 Samuel chapter 8, and you'll find out that that's where Samuel says, I don't want to find another king because you are king. And they haven't rejected you, God says. They've rejected me in this search for another king. And that takes us back to this very important passage. You know, you think if God were to introduce himself to you, if God were to come up to you and give you his calling card, what would it say on it? How would God introduce himself to you? This is critical stuff, because if we don't know who God is and how he would introduce himself, how can we be about the business of mission, in the mission of God? And so we pull up Exodus 34. This is the second time the law has been given, because the law has been smashed to bits, had to be done again, had to have a do-over, hit the do-over button. And here we go. If you want to ask God who he is, the Lord comes down in a cloud and he stood there with him and he called out his own name, Yahweh. Oh, I wonder what that sounded like. The Lord passed in front of Moses calling out, Yahweh, the Lord. What does that mean? He is who he is. He has been who he has been. He will always be who he is always, always going to be. The one who always is and was and is to come. That's who we're talking about here. He is, and watch this, because this is who we need to be. If you're going to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness, you need to be like your dad. (laughs) You need to be like your father in heaven. You have a father, even the fatherless have a father. Did we get that? And he is the God of compassion and mercy. He is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. God says, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. Church, can we get behind a God like that? Now, we've got to ask the question, can we act like a God like that. I, I know the words come out of our mouths sometimes inadvertently in traffic when we'd say, get out of my, you know, the, I could, no, be like God. This whole idea of to the last, to the lost, to the least that we've sung about this morning is not just a beautiful song. It's a life. It's a lifestyle that we choose because salvation has been brought down, right? Now, the text goes on to say, I do not excuse the guilty. I forgive, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected. And you know as well as I do how those sins have repercussions that get dumped forward as the cycle continues. And God is calling upon us to break the cycle of the influence of sinful behaviors, poor choices, by being like our Father. 
Moses responded to the Lord, and this needs to be our response to God today. He threw himself to the ground and worshiped. He said, oh Lord, if it's true that I've found favor with you, then please travel with us. I love those words. I think we should underscore those words in all of our Bibles as we ask God, West Ark, the church of Jesus Christ at West Ark cannot budge without God traveling with us. Amen? Please travel with us. Yes, this is a stubborn and rebellious people. Of course, none of any, nobody in our area around this part of Arkansas is stubborn and rebellious, right? But just in case there are stubborn and rebellious people, Lord, this is a stubborn and rebellious people. We're talking about the people of God here, folks. Please forgive our iniquity and our sins and claim us as your own special possession. I go back to Peter's words. You, you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own special possession. You know, when you open up a book, this book belongs to, you open up your Bible, this Bible belongs to, you look in your shirt at camp, this, you know, the whole belonging thing, it all belongs to God. We belong to God if we are in Him, if we are His. The Lord is King, and look at these characteristics that we're uncovering in the text here. The Lord is King. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Yahweh, the Lord, compassion, mercy, slow to anger, filled with unfailing love, faithfulness, lavishing his love, his unfailing love. And we, if we look in the text further, and I, I wish we had time to, to read the entire context of all of these passages, but, and I invite you to do this later this week. As you walk through the week ahead, uncover who God is for you. God is a God who, who will track you down. <laughs> Even if you don't know you're lost, he's asking, where are you? Just to help you find out where you are. Adam, where are you? He knew good and well where Adam was. This is not a God who doesn't know, but this is a God who helps us find out where we are so that we can help others find out where they are. You know, I think about John, our friend John Chartier, upside down in that water, and the voice of God calling, John, where are you? What are you going to do, God? What difference are you going to make here, Lord? Have you ever been in that situation where you felt like you were totally helpless, lost, beyond all help? And God steps in and says, do you know where you are? Do you know where this is headed? Do you, do you realize that unless you change your course, unless you change your decision-making process, it's not going to end well? He's the God who calls out to me because he is the God who sees me. This is God's new name in the Old Testament as, as God is being revealed, El Roy, the God who sees me. And then you have that wonderful name, Ishmael, means the God who hears. Whoa. Okay, wait. That means this God to whom we cry is the one who hears us. And he is, as you well know, 
as you march up that mountain alongside Abraham and Isaac, and Isaac's saying, okay, here's the wood and here's the fire, but where's the sacrifice? The Lord will provide. And sure enough, the Lord did provide. And because God does provide on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided, Genesis 22. We have provision for our own salvation. We have not been left in the water, face down, paralyzed from the neck down. And this is this God who introduces himself. Now, the question then comes, can we be God's representatives? Because when you think about what his mission is and what he's doing right here, we have to stop and think, well, who am I in the midst of that mission? How am I being called into that mission right now? To the last, to the lost, to the least to the hurting, to the homeless. What is this church, his body, this body of believers that meets in this place, what are we doing because of the God of mission? I believe we have to use this, who God is, as a springboard Because if God is creator, if God is the king of the universe, have I submitted to him? Have I come to him in faith and said, okay, I surrender? Have I allowed him to do his recreative work in me? Do people around me know my identity? Because, yes, I am a Christ follower, following the one who changes all of the rules in my life because he rules my life. So how is your identity, how is my identity changing because of who God is? And what does it mean to be called to serve in the kingdom of God? How can I be more like him? How can I wear that, not just some stick-on name tag, no, wearing that identity that everyone around me knows? Has it happened this week that people have questioned are you really a follower of Jesus? I didn't think a follower of Jesus would act like that. That you may declare the praises of him who called you, us, me, out of darkness into his, oh, wonderful light. That's what this is about. So that brings us to this mission of God. The Lord, uh uh-oh, what did I do? It went off there. Whew. I must have pushed the wrong button. We're we're still there. The Lord is committed and invested in a mission to redeem, and write it down, to redeem and restore all in all. He's the redeemer. He's the one who restores. Now, you may think, what does that have to do with me? Do you have people around you who are in desperate need of you coming alongside them to make sure you're not face down in the water without any possibility of help? I believe, without a doubt, that you are in contact with people in the week ahead to fulfill the mission of God, to be God to them as his ambassadors, to bring restoration, to bring redemption. The wonderful prediction of Genesis 12 that through your seed, and, and I love this great missionary passage, 
Uh, if you have your Bibles, just, just look and see what that would be like. Um, Genesis 12. Think about this for a minute. When the Lord says to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to a land that I will show you. And I can just picture this conversation with Abraham and Sarah. Can you picture this? How many, by the way, how many have been across the water? How many of you have a passport to go internationally? I was sort of interested to see. This is an amazing church, people. Uh, How many went to Romania with Phil? Okay. We have some over here. I mean, uh, Guyana. How many have been to Guyana? I'm sort of interested. This is, this is amazing. This, this sense of the calling of God on people in this church. And you know what this is all about? Okay, Abraham and Sarah. Abraham says, Sarah, we've got to get packed. Where are we going? Well, I don't know. He hasn't told me that yet. Well, that's going to go well, right? Could you go back and have the following conversation? Could you ask where we're going and how long we're going to be? Just need to know how much of what to pack, Right? No, just sell it all, pack it all, we're going. And look at what it says in the text. Very simply put, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. This is incredible. All families on earth will be blessed through you. So, verse 4, Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed Okay, it's that simple, church. We just do what he says and it all works out. Because we have been blessed for a purpose, to be a blessing. So the end of the matter is, let's go bless people around us. All families, all nations of the earth will be blessed. That's the mission of God. Genesis 21. As long as you've got Genesis open, let's go there just briefly. We won't linger, I promise. But... As you, as you look in, and the way you can remember this, by the way, the way I remember this is you've got 12, 1, 2, and then you turn the 12 around, that's 2, 1, right? So you can find this in all of these, these sections to think about this mission of God at work. This God of mission that's out on his mission, and what is he doing? Abraham gets up in verse 14, prepared food and a container of water and strapped them to Hagar's shoulders, And he sent her away with their son, and she wandered aimlessly through the wilderness of Beersheba. And when the water had gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush, and she went away and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. See what the text says? I don't want to watch the boy die. That's what's going on here? This little boy's going to have to die? Wait, this is just the beginning of the Bible. I I thought this was PG. No, this is real life. This is people that are hurting that are left under a bush to die? Is that how God blesses people? Verse 17. But God heard the boy crying. The angel of God called out to Hagar from heaven, Hagar, what's wrong? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lives there, as as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make him a great nation, great nation of his descendants. And then God opened Hagar's eyes. Do you see? This is a God who hears. This is a God who opens eyes. This is a God who makes it possible for us to be able to see light and be light. 
And this is where we go to Isaiah 49. I think we were just in Isaiah 49 in the Bible class this morning, um, thinking about our whole purpose, our sole purpose. Um, And I'm thinking as we go to Isaiah 49 in the class, I thought, whoa, wait a minute, who's in charge here? You think somebody else in charge of this? putting us in Isaiah 49, but there's just one text I want us to really grab onto in in Isaiah 49. Verse 6, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. It's not just about bringing Israel back. If it's just about bringing Israel back, your dream is too small. It's too small. If it's just about bringing just a few folks, if it's just about making sure that the West Ark Church of Christ makes it, Your dream is too small because of what it says here. You will do more than restore the people of Israel. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Whoa. Now there's a mission. I will make you a light to the Gentiles. God's purpose Remember that purpose statement that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness? God's purpose for you in the coming week is to not just be a light, but to bring light, to be a blessing, to bring blessing as the ambassadors for God in this place. Yes, we're all missionaries. We don't have to leave this place to figure that out. And this is where on my slides I got the wrong text. And you know what? This could be purposeful because I want us to go to Luke chapter 10 next. And in Luke 10, that's where Jesus does this sending, the the limited commission, we we call it, as opposed to the great commission. But uh, you have it on your outline. If you have your outline there, it is actually Luke 10. So you've got it written, written correctly there. I just got it incorrectly on the slides. But I love Luke 10 because of this restatement of this sending of people and this call to trust. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Oh, we get it now. It's not our mission. It's his mission. He is the one that's in charge. Oh, he's king, and we've submitted our lives to him. And so we take our, we take our marching orders from him. Now, go and remember, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Whoa, wait a minute. That doesn't bode well. How do you feel about that? What does that tell you? It could be dangerous in the week ahead. Potentially dangerous, but march ahead. Do you think Jesus is sending his lambs out among wolves without this thought of protection. And then he goes on to say, don't take anything with you. Don't take any extras. Who was going to supply their food? Who was going to pl- supply? If their shoes wore out, if, if their clothes wore out, if they needed something, who was going to supply that? It was the people to whom they were going. And you're supposed to go and speak to this house in search of a person of peace. And if they receive you as a person of peace, stay there. So the way their needs were going to be supplied? Oh, so it means we trust the one who sends. We trust the father of the mission, the Lord of the mission, because he's not only the one in charge, he is the one who protects, he is the one who supplies, 
He is the one who carries you through. What is God's purpose and motivation as he pursues creation? What's this all about? Think about this now, because that is our purpose. The outcome of God's activities of sending and saving. What's the whole purpose? Where does it all go? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. What is, what is my mission? What is our mission? Each of us individually, as you think about, okay, God, what, you, what do you want me to do this week? I would put it this way. Let's think about watching for John. Yes, he, the nerve damage in his back, by the way, he has healed so much to the point that the last time I visited him, uh, the accident happened almost two and a half years ago now. The last time we visited him, he stopped me as I walked in the door and he said, wait right there. And I said, John, what do you mean? Wait, wait, what's going to happen? He said, just, just wait right there. I said, John, are you going to show off? He said, yes, I am. And would you believe John was able to get out of his chair and walk to me? Now, let me challenge you with this thought. Would John even be alive today, let alone showing off for God, had it not been for his friend Ron? Think about this. That big smile you see on John's face, that wouldn't be there. That's the light of Jesus. And John's, by the way, had a lot of opportunity to share the, the love of Jesus with people in uh, recovery hospitals who were recovering from nerve damage issues, paralysis, and they weren't thinking good thoughts about God. But he was bringing the light of Jesus into their situation with this smile. I think that's awesome. And so my, my challenge for all of us today, who is there that is partially submerged around us that is not going to make it unless we're there to pull them out? With whom can we work together to pull people to shore and breathe the life back in them of the of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we think about that, I want you to be thinking in terms of not the person next to you or not the person that isn't here today. I wish so-and-so were here today because he really needed to, she really needed to hear this. No, it's what's my place. And the question is, is God going to reign in you? Because unless the Lord is reigning in you, then you could care less about the neighbor who needs to breathe again. But let me tell you, spiritually, you may be the only one who is the connection with the cross that they need. Can we be that connection this week? Now, it could be that somebody's here today and says, okay, my first step, the first step I need to make is submit to the king. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to be buried with him in baptism so I can belong to him first so I can call others to belong to him. Does that make sense? If that's the first step you need to take, 
then let's make that known. If you need to come back and say, okay, I've got paralysis that needs restoration and redemption as well. I need the prayers of this body for that purpose. Whatever your need may be, let's come while we stand and sing the song and make that need known.